Hi, Shawanda. Hi, Jacqueline. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining the Ambry podcast today. Thank you for having me. It is such an honor. Thank you. We had our pre-interview and I was blown away by your story, who you are, everything that you do out in the world. Can you tell people, introduce yourself and tell people a little bit about you? Uh, so again, my name is Shawanda Randolph. Um, I am the founder and executive director of DeSilla Comfort Center. Uh, we are a faith-based and uh, nonprofit that is located in Avondale, Arizona. And we support uh, survivors of domestic violence. Um, we take in those who are low income and homeless, um, who haven't had a place to go in such a long time. They do not qualify for shelters um, or uh, the normal transitional homes. So we give them a place to stay and we try to give them or restore hope um, and let them to uh, allow them to achieve the things that they once thought that they could no longer achieve. Um, we have an 18 month program um, and we uh, basically use the resources that already exist in the community and try to uh, reconnect them back into community. Wow. And what was your, what was your move? What was your passion to open up? So I am actually a survivor of abuse. Um, I experienced, um, wow, well over a decade of abuse uh, as a child. And the interesting thing about my story is that for years, uh, no one knew that I had been abused. Um, I was not, I didn't fit the story. I didn't fit the box of someone who was being abused. And so on the outside, uh, in the forefront of everyone's eyes, I was the child who was um, an athlete. I was a national uh, champion. Um, I had been competing in martial arts since before I even started kindergarten. And um, I was an honor student. Um, I competed in the Junior Olympics, and so, but at home, in the dark, I was being abused. I went through physical, mental, and sexual abuse for years, and so when I was 15 years old, I had revealed that I had been abused, and it was funny because people had always asked me, well, why did you never tell, and I simply said, no one asked. No one asked because no one ever suspected that I had been abused. But it was interesting enough that one of my teachers, it was actually a basketball coach that asked me um, what happened or, or you know, kind of suspected something was wrong because I was quitting the thing that I loved, which was basketball. Mm. And so she asked me why. And so I had revealed that I was experiencing abuse at home. And um, so the social workers and the state got involved. And so these are people that came into my life at the time who did not know me. And individuals um, said to me or presented to me all the problems that I would now have in my life. Um, problems with uh, boys, problems with men, problems with school, um, problems with goals, and um, presented all of this doubt and um, kind of took away the hope in my life. And so I remember telling a relative that I refused to accept all of these things, all of these negative things that they presented to me and that I would use my life um, to 
tell or show other people that they are not what happened to them and that they could become or do whatever they wanted to do in their life. And so that was the seed uh, for Desilla Comfort Center. And so thankfully with all the people that I had in my life through my journey, through my healing journey, I've taken things from those individuals and I am now giving back to the women and the children or the people that I meet and that I am now helping to give them hope, um, to let them hold on to hope, like the individuals that helped me in my life. And at 15, when you were finally asked, Mm -hmm. what's going on? Wow. Had, Had that, first off, what was that moment like when somebody looked at you and didn't Mm -hmm. necessarily see the girl that was out there that was athletic and super smart and killing it, just Mm -hmm. have everything. But they looked at you and said, huh, something's going on with you. So they kind of saw you. What was Mm. that moment like for you? You know, that, that was such a turning point because I, I didn't know what to do in that moment. Um, I didn't know what to say. Um, it was it was really like yeah someone someone sees me um and someone's not just seeing what i'm doing they see me and um and when i said i i can't do this i have to quit and she saw something was wrong she saw me disconnecting to something that i liked something that i loved to do and something that i was very good at um and so that was um that was you know that was something that really caught her attention i think that's something that we miss a lot of times uh in our communities when people start withdrawing from the things that they love and we miss that we miss that detachment why are you not doing that we don't see the individual anymore and so when she asked me well why are you quitting and she wouldn't let me quit you know she wouldn't let me give up. Um, and so she dug deeper. And when I, at first I just, I remember saying, I just have to. And that wasn't enough for her. It wasn't enough. And I had to explain why. Um, and no matter how many times I said, I just have to, it wasn't enough. And she said, well, who told you? Why do you have to? That does not make sense. Um, And so it was like someone cared enough to dig deeper and make me explain why. And so it's funny because now when I work with people, that's one thing that I do. I make them go. I always say it's three degrees to your why. Mm. And I make them go deeper and deeper into the why until we get to um, an actual, a true explanation so that we can get to the the meaning of what's happening in their life. And it's not very surface, it's not very superficial. And I remember her taking me in a room and she asked me, um, was I scared um, of that person, which was my stepfather, of my dad. And I guess I had never thought about it because my dad and I were actually close. Um, I spent a lot of time with my dad. I loved my dad. Um, 
And in a lot of ways, I admired my dad. You know, my dad was my instructor. Um, I never wanted to be apart from my dad, but in a way, I I guess I was. When she said that, I was like, yeah, I I am scared. And it made me think, it made me really start thinking for myself that yes, I was, I was afraid. And I was afraid that if I did not quit um, basketball, that I was going to make him upset because he was also my karate instructor and that I wasn't spending that time with him. Mm. And you, you said, so you were asked you dug deep. You mm-hmm. had to move through all of that. You had to. You had to say out loud. I had a lot to of say things that you yourself and your mind hadn't reconciled mm-hmm. and wrapped around. Yeah. And you have these professionals and these people that are there to help you and mm-hmm. here to guide you. And you said something earlier that they started giving you these declaratives of mm-hmm. what was about to happen to you, what you were about to go through. And mm-hmm. what really stood out when you said that was they started to take away the hope. And mm-hmm. what I find so interesting is that you were in this all alone for the mm-hmm. majority of your life, but you still had hope. Where did that live inside of you? You know, it was, I, I, I think that I, knowing that I started martial arts, right? So there was an article that I wrote a while ago that I did for like this magazine. And when I did it, I learned something about myself that I was a fighter. Mm. Um, knowing that I started martial I did martial arts, but I started when I was about uh, two, three years old. And so I've, I've been a fighter and it was something that was in me. And not knowing that it was in me because it was something that I did, right? And so I think sometimes that we we do things in our life. And as we do things in our life, if we sit back and connect to that, we start realizing that it's really a part of who we are, mm. right? It's something that's, it's a fire. Um, it's, it's part of our purpose. It helps us with our purpose. And so for me, um, competing Um, it was just something that was being shaped and molded in me. It was something that helped me. And so I was connecting to a part of me, which was being a fighter. And so that whatever I was going through in life, I learned how to fight. Uh, And it wasn't just the physical piece of it. It was just mentally fighting through and pursuing um, whatever I wanted to do because I was fighting people that was way bigger than me. So I was, so I was in what's called a peewee division and I was, so I was a peewee, but my nickname was Tiger. So my dad would always say that I would roar. Um, And so that would stick with me, just connecting to that. And um, even as I got older, I mean, I was a scrawny little kid. And so even because, because I started earlier in life, by the time I was in middle school, I was competing in adult divisions. And so learning, learning to really stand up and, and fight. And it was like, no, I'm, I'm not taking it. I, I don't have to take this. Um, and then pursuing even uh, school. Um, I, I love school. 
Um, I would cry if I would miss a day of school. I remember we had a blizzard back in Jersey and I walked out of the house and my mom would say, um, where are you going? I was like, well, we have school. And she let me go. And I remember by the time we, I got to the corner store and I went in the store and they went, you don't have school today. And I remember coming back home and mom said, I told you, you didn't have school, but she let me go. <laughs> She's like, you'll find out one way or the other. But I was just that kind of kid. How do um, you, how do you reconcile someone that is, that is hurting you with someone that is also teaching you? I, um, I, I tell you what, for me, it was, it was very different. Um, I always say everyone's journey is very different. And so I, I learned a lot of things about my dad um, that, so I, I don't justify anything. So let me, let me say that. I don't, I don't justify anything, but I learned a lot of things growing up that at an early age that um, I, would not say a young person should have to learn. Mm. Um, and so I was put in positions growing up at an early age that was probably um, too much for a normal child to have to be placed in. And so spending the even spending the time with my dad um, that I did, I learned things about my dad at an early age that was a lot. And I learned things that my dad went through. And so it's it's strange because I learned that my dad had went through um, abuse. I learned that my dad was beaten and not just by his household, but um, even in the street. And so it was a weird sense of compassion for my dad, but I also just wanted it to stop for me. And it was just like, what's, what's wrong with you? Um, and so it's it's strange because for me growing up, I've it's always been this um, sense of compassion for people, not a justification if that makes sense, but a, it's it's a different sense of compassion of there's something wrong. And so when it comes to working at the Silla Comfort Center, I don't discard those who are the victimizer because I do understand that those who um, are also the victimizer, there are challenges that they've had in their life as well that sometimes we don't know about and they need just as much help as those who have been victimized. I have to say that you're probably one of the strongest people I've ever talked to and the most insightful. And it goes back to when you were a young woman and you were admitting and you were walking through and you were telling for the first time ever your truth and people were coming in. They almost, what's interesting, and we talked about this a little bit in the pre-interview, is A, you didn't hit any boxes. You didn't check off all the boxes, uh, raise all the red flags of a child that was struggling in any capacity. Mm -hmm. And then when that came to light and they were going to help you, they told you which boxes were about to be checked off in your struggle. Yeah. And you've never, I mean, I, this is only the second time I've talked to you, but mm -hmm. I would, I would dare to say that you have never checked off all the boxes of a status quo 
forever. I mean, just what you're talking about, about compassion Mm -hmm. and your understanding. It's, it's a different perspective. Have you found that when you talk about that and you're, and because you aren't going down, okay, checkbox, 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 it's, this is going to be the way this goes for you. Mm -hmm. And then you bring in that compassion piece. What does that do for the people that you're helping? Um, it does help them see another side because for me, I, everyone knows that when they meet me, I am not a sides person. I stand in the middle. Um, and so they know that while I am here for them, there is no judgment with me. And so I am not coming in to just completely be on their side um, to where it becomes um, unhealthy, if that makes sense. Um, so I, you know, what I try to do is I, I come in so that they can understand that, you know, yes, I'm here for their healing, but while I am there for their healing, there are times that I'm going to push back and I'm going to push back and say, well, you know, how can you see another side to your, your story and their, the other person's story too? Because what I want is to teach compassion as well. Um, and the reason I want to teach compassion for them is because I want them to be able to build healthy relationships with anyone. Um, I don't want them to be able to, um, I don't want them to be angry. Um, and when there's children involved, um, I need the children to not be raised in trauma. What would you say that when you're, when you're talking, because a lot of people would hear that and go, well, th- no, no one gets compassion if they do A, B or C to people. Mm-hmm. And, and I, th- and what I'm hearing you say is it's not about, like you said, it's not justification. It's not justification. I mean, and maybe it's not even forgiveness, but if you understand that other person's story, perhaps do do you find that when I understand the other person's story, I understand a little bit more about why they are who they are, what why they did what they did, and all of a sudden maybe all the burden of I caused this yes. kind of goes away. Yes, it's not your fault. This has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you. And and that's the thing. It's that a lot of times when someone has been abused. They take on a lot. It's why it's why did this happen to me? And you're so stuck in what did I do? How did I cause this? I got into this relationship. Um, it's it's me, 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 me. Um, and you're always trying to figure out what else can you do? And uh-huh. and a lot of times, most of the time, it has nothing to do with you. Right. It has nothing to do with you. And so it's like, you know, when you're trying to see what else is going on in that person's life, you can remove yourself out of it and then you can get some peace. So what we're trying to do is allow them to get some peace and start. Once you get peace, you can remove yourself and then you can deal with the situation a little differently. It's really about having peace to move on um, and being able to have peace to where even when you're like I said, when especially when children are children are involved, so that you're not always having this tug of war situation with your children, 
Um, and every time the other person does something, it's not always triggering you because when it's when they're always doing something, it's always, um, well, they did this or well, every time I try to do something, they're doing this. Well, right. you're it's a struggle and we need to remove ourselves out of what they're doing um, so that it doesn't seem that you have a piece in that. No, it's it's them. That's they're doing what they're doing. They have certain things in their life that's going on and it has nothing to do with you. And the compassion component is so important. It allows you mm-hmm. not to be hardened. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. But it also allows you not to feed into. Yes. And it also allows you to to kind of separate and go, they're struggling and they they're need to struggling. be over there struggling. Yes. I can't be an active participant in that. Yes. You know? But they're struggling. They have their own struggle. And And their struggle has nothing to do with me. I don't know. It's just very profound. Because if you replace uh, responsibility of, well, if I say something, if if I twist myself or if I act differently, maybe I'll get a different result from this other person. Mm -hmm. Right? But if you replace, if you bring compassion in and understanding of their struggle, then you kind of take on, you you don't have that responsibility anymore and -hmm. it doesn't harden you and it doesn't, what is it like to be you and living outside of the box to be, to be a new thought thinker, a new approach? What has that been like for you? Um, it can be tough. (laughs) I can imagine. It, It can be tough. Um, I actually went through a seminary um, as well. Um, that was the last the last school I went through was seminary. I, I say that cautiously because the thought has been to go back to school again. <laughs> um, um, for what? And I'm sorry. So I, I'm, what, what do you want to go so, back for? So I, I have two masters, um, but I'm thinking of going back for my for my doctorate. But it's probably going to be after my son. Um, after my son finishes his. So we will see. We will see. (laughs) Um, But I will tell you that going through seminary was a challenge because um, there were times that you had to pick a side um, for for an argument. And, um, And during those times, I did not. I did not. And... I will tell you that uh, during those times that I did not, I actually put a disclaimer out to my professors and said, I'm going to let you know that um, I know this was the assignment to pick a side and that I'm not. And it's going to affect my grade, but I'm not here for a grade. I'm here for growth. And uh, and I'm not picking a side. I'm going to stand in the middle because I don't think that I have to pick a side. I think that's important to see both sides and I'm gonna stand my ground. Um, And there were times that, yes, it did affect my grade and I had to be okay with that. So, um, but it was hard and I'm glad I had um, people in my life that I could call and talk to um, about that. And that's why I always say relationships are very, very important in our lives because we need people in our lives that will help us um, and push us um, because I, I really did need that. I really did. But. 
You, every time you, not every time we talk, just every time you open your mouth, it's, it's flooring, it's inspirational. And I have to tell you, it's quite an honor to, to meet you and to now know you. Um, I like you're making connections. Like the favorite part of every interview I do is when mm -hmm. the guest goes, huh, I never thought of that before, or I'm making connections. And I, I love that moment. I have to tell you, I have a new favorite moment when I'm the one that went, huh, <laughs> I'm making connections. Wow. I never thought of that before. And I'm holding back emotions just because you, you make it safe. So mm. I can only imagine someone that's coming in to your, no wonder you call it a comfort center because my goodness, the level of comfort somebody must be able to receive is probably second to none anywhere. How can people, first off your comfort center, you're in Arizona. Mm -hmm. So you're only servicing people in Arizona for now. And for now. <laughs> for now. I knew that was happening. <laughs> That's exciting. For now. Um, but how can people get in touch with you? Because I'm sure even if someone's living outside of Arizona, if they needed mm -hmm. a little bit of comfort, if they need a little bit of guidance, I've been on your website, they can find it. I guarantee you they can find it. Yes. Um, so how can people find you? Um, people can find us by going to our website, uh, www.decillacenter.org. And that is D-E-E-C-I-L-L-A center.org. Or they can call us at 623-440-6963. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at Decilla Center. Um, and we will um, talk to people either, either on the phone um, and we can also set up Zoom calls. And so that is the great thing about what we do at Decilla Comfort Center is that we are virtual. Um, so our crisis counselors, um, she sets up uh, counseling through Zoom. And um, some of these sessions that we do are via Zoom as well. And uh, even our support groups that we do on the weekends have been set up via Zoom. So. That is amazing. You're also an author. Yes. Tell me a little bit about your books. Um, so, <laughs> um, <laughs> so I have uh, three books that have been published. Um, the first one is called Fresh Mana, Journey to a New Beginning. It is a 40-day journey um, for self-discovery, um, reconnecting to your identity. I love helping people to rediscover who they are, what their passion is and what their purpose is. Um, that is truly my passion in life. Um, and so it doesn't matter where you are in life and what you're doing. The great thing about Fresh Mana is that you can take that journey over and over and over again. Anytime that you're stuck on anything, you can take it. Um, 20 Beautiful Women, uh, Volume 6. It is a collaboration uh, that I was a part of. And so in there, I actually tell my story, um, uh, a little bit about my abuse. So you get to read that, uh, which was just before I started launching the Comfort Center. Wow. And then the last book that was published, which, uh, which was um, Seeing God, uh, Hope for a New Land. That is a little bit more intense. <laughs> that one took me about two and a half years to write. Wow. 
Yeah, there's a lot of research in there. Um, a lot of it I did at, uh, while I was going through seminary. But while it is a lot of research that is in there, it is a very easy read. And it really talks about uh, community and relationships and um, how we can just work together and see the gifts that we all have and just creating um, the beautiful world that we can all have um, and just finding hope and the new world and the new world in which we all can live. Wow. Wow. And where can they buy these books? Um, all of my books can actually be found uh, at any online store, uh, Amazon, uh, Books A Million, uh, Barnes and Nobles. You can actually find them on um, my website, which is shawandarandolph.com. And any book that you buy through shawandarandolph.com, um, if you request them through my website, I will actually sign them on the way out as they come out. So definitely go to <laughs> yes that's where i'll be going um and then do you have any parting thoughts someone who right now is maybe not maybe they're not 15 maybe they're mm -hmm. 35 but nobody has seen them, mm -hmm. what um, you them right now so no matter where you are in life no matter what you are going through um remember that you you are you. Um, don't let anyone take away um, who you are. Um, a lot of times as we go through things in life, people tell us um, what we can do, what we cannot do. But there is something that has always been burning deep, in, deep inside of you. So I always tell people, always go back to um, the child, the child that um, reconnect to the inner child, reconnect to the inner child and find you um, let the inner child um, be unleashed and if you need help um, we are here to help you no matter where you are in the world I've actually contacted been in contact with someone in Ireland before and helped her so you can always reach out to me um, at the Silla Comfort Center and we will do our best to help you or find resources where you are to help you even more so Thank you so much. I want to thank you for your time today. I want to thank you for not sitting down with me once, but twice. Um, I can't, I, I mean, we're kicking off a whole new season of yeah. interviews and you're the first one in the season. And I can't um, imagine a better way to kick off wow. everything that we're doing over on this end. Um, I, I, at a loss, which is not good for an interviewer. I guess. <laughs> I'm blown away. I'm blown away by you. Um, thank you. Just thank you. Thank you for existing. Thank you for doing. Thank you for learning and growing and sharing that with the world because it's a better place for it. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This has been wonderful. Thank you. All right, guys. The Ambry Podcast would like to thank all of its supporters and sponsors. Without you guys, we couldn't continue doing the show. A special shout out to our co-producers, Jay Beam and T. Martin. Thank you so much, ladies. If you would like to be a supporter of the Ambry Podcast and be a live audience member for all the interviews and participate in Q&A sessions with the guests, you can find us at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Ambry. Thank you guys so much. Have a beautiful day.